Hello and welcome to Climactic. On September 20th, school students in over 150 countries went on strike. But of course, this was not the first such strike. In many countries, including here in Australia, this was the third major school strike for climate. But this time was different. At least here in Australia, adults were fully welcome to take part. And universities, along with unions and businesses, were actively encouraged to take part rather than just support the strike. And that's how the numbers swell. But today, a week on from the strikes, we're looking back at not just the numbers, but at the reasons for why people were there, what they took from it, and how we all felt at the end of that Friday night after the world had just witnessed its largest ever mass mobilizations for climate. Today is also the day that Aotearoa, New Zealand, will be striking. So we send our love, support, and solidarity to our friends across the Tasman and those throughout the Pacific. And lest we forget the tragic mosque shootings, the domestic terrorist attack that happened on the same day as the last climate strike for climate, we say to our Kiwi friends, Kia kaha, stay strong, we love you. No doubt in the last week you've heard a lot about the strikes that took place in Melbourne and Sydney, and no doubt you've heard some accounts of the local strike nearest you. But today I'm happy to say we've got accounts from on the ground in Airlie Beach, right on the doorstep of the Great Barrier Reef. How do you here in Airlie Beach in Whitsunday feel the climate change already? And from Gosford in New South Wales' central coast, about an hour north of Sydney. So Bob, you're involved with the Greens, the local Greens at Gosford. How come you're here today? You'll hear some conversations held by two of Climactic's fantastic contributors and get a sense for what the day was like away from the major centres. And then finally, hear some remarks from back here in Melbourne at a panel discussion held after a special screening of the documentary 2040 at the end of that momentous day. I mean, I think the kids just understand it much, at a much deeper level and the stakes are higher for them because they're inheriting, as we say in the film, it's, it's their home that they're, we're renting off them. They're going to inherit that. So, We wanted to put together this episode as the first draft of history, as a primary resource going forward that others can draw on to look back on what people were feeling and saying at the third global climate strike. Hopefully, when future people, our descendants, are figuring out when it all started to change, when we all started to get better. But it's also a demonstration of what we're aiming to do here at Climactic, to be an open platform, a wide tent. So if these kind of conversations are something you enjoy hearing and something you enjoy doing, please just get in touch with us at hello at climactic.fm, and we'd love to have you on the team. And now, without further ado... Here's Beth Spencer. So we're here at the Gosford chapter of the global climate strike with a whole lot of people. It's just turned 12 o'clock and I'm talking to Bev. Bev, do you want to say what's on your sign and why you're here? I'm here because I can see the destruction of Mother Earth and it upsets me. (laughs) So my sign says that Everything that Mother Earth gave us, the water, the land, the oceans and the sands, is all being given free. And it's all being taken over by corruption, 
from our governments that are controlled by corporate companies and the coal mines. So I just find it quite disturbing and it's for myself but also for my children and my grandchildren and everybody. Thank you. So I'm here with Ethan and Ethan's on his own initiative come up with a stall about waste to try and educate people about recycling and the different ways about it. He's got a mailing list. Do you want to tell us something about why you're here? Um, I'm here because I'm very passionate about waste and recycling and every weekend I go for a walk, pick up all the little bits of plastic I see on the um, beach and yeah, I think it's really important that we don't send our waste to landfill anymore and we find something else to do with it. Fantastic. And how old are you? I'm 14 years old. So you've got another four years before you can vote? Yes. That's tragedy, isn't it? Yeah, That's it is. Criminal. Terrible. Yeah. So hopefully some of the old people here will have your back. And can you just describe a little bit what you've got here in front of us? Um, so I think over the last few months I've been collecting lots of different sorts of packaging and I've got a test up here on, um, we've got each bin labelled and it's a test on where you think certain packagings go. Oh, great. Well, it does get very confusing because every local council has its own recycling yeah. rules, of course, but here on the Central Coast, it's okay. So how can people find out about their own council? Because that's the difficult... Um, I've tried before and it's, it is. It's, as you say, everyone's mm. different and everyone tells you different things. Google onecoast.com.au one onecoast.com.au onecoast.com.au and this is for the central coast this is for the central coast and one with a number one yep and then um yeah that's our local council recycling rules so i'll tell you everything about the coast okay and so each council should have something like that yeah and it changes constantly doesn't it because i know sort of i think i probably checked out about a year or two ago and they said no little things will go through so obviously it's changed so we really yeah. do have to take responsibility and keep up keep checking that site well contracts uh recently in the last 18 months uh central coast changed their waste contractor so that can alter certain mm. rules as well so i'm talking to ethan's mother ethan is the wonderful person who's doing this incredible educative thing about waste recycling so tell me did Ethan educate you or did you educate Ethan about climate change? This is all him. Um, he, he has a special interest in reducing the amount of waste in the world um, to the point where he audits my bin and I lose points. And um, he now has created a third bin for me, which is mum doesn't know where it goes. Um, I think, you know, I am so proud of him and the fact that everybody now calls me Ethan's mum. I'm like, you know what, that's the best title I could possibly ever have because he's educated me. I know a lot of... You know, that we got a lot of grief last climate, climate strike because people were saying, oh, this is just kids being told what to do by their parents. And it's like, do you know any teenagers who do what their parents tell them to do? Because I sure don't. Mm. You know, these teenagers are amazing. I mean, to run this event, they did event management, they did project management, they had to do a risk management plan, and, and they have led the whole thing from the front. I've literally just been there to sign on the dotted line when they needed an adult, but it wow. is all them. So I'm so... I'm really hopeful for the future with these kids as leaders. This generation, they are so politically aware. I'm actually, you know, he's teaching me about politics because my generation wasn't aware. But he, they just know what's going on and that, that makes me really hopeful for the future. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Ethan's mum. <laughs> I'm 16 years old and I'm a school student. In fact, I should be in school right now. 
I don't want to have to skip school, but apparently it's the only way to get the government to sit up and pay attention. A democracy that doesn't listen to their youth until they become voters is hardly a democracy. A country where people's validity magically appears when they turn 18 is flawed. We may be 25% of the current population, but we are 100% of the future. And at the moment, our future looks pretty bleak. 11 years. That is the estimated amount of time we have left to solve the climate crisis. By that point, I will only be 27. My life will have barely begun. We are told time and time again that it is our responsibility to clean up this broken world that we have inherited. But by the time we are in a position to make serious change, it will be too late. We are all striking today because the time for action is now. To let our politicians know that the time for action is now, because clearly they do not know it themselves. If they did, the Carmichael Adani mine wouldn't have even been considered. It wouldn't have wishy-washy plans about one day maybe reducing our carbon levels. Understandably, politicians don't want to solve the climate crisis. Will it make them money? If not, why even bother? But in a world where climates are rocketing and nature is falling into a catastrophic chain of events beyond human control, it will not matter how much money we have. When the world is in critical drought, we will not be able to eat money. When our waters are contaminated with plastic and are completely polluted, we will not be able to drink oil. Until politicians realize that this issue is bigger than their campaigns, nothing will change. Which is why we are here. We are here, striking today, alongside millions across the globe, to get our leaders' attention. We don't want to have to strike. I wish we lived in a world where it wasn't necessary. We are striking because not enough is being done to address the climate emergency, and we will continue to speak up until action is taken. Yes. So, here are our demands. Please give a yell as I list each one. One, that no new coal, oil and gas products, including the Carmichael Adani mine, will be produced. into 100% renewable energy and generation exports by 2030. For the government to, um, to fund a just transition and job creation for all fossil fuel workers in the industries. And last, but certainly not least, for Australia to follow in the footsteps of 19 other countries and declare climate emergency. I don't know about you, but I want to know in 50 years' time, I'm going to have a planet to live on. Something I didn't know was possible to be taken for granted. I know too many other young people that are in the midst of depression or anxiety because the future terrifies us. While our politicians will die of old age, we will die of climate change. It is said that our parents' generation will be the first to outlive their children. This issue rises above any problem our Earth has ever had to face. We should be panicking. We should be acting. Water not cold! Water not cold! Water not cold! Water not cold! So Bob, you're involved with the Greens, the local Greens at Gosford. How come you're here today? 
Yeah, well, Beth, I'm here because there's no alternative, really. We, we're facing a crisis and we've got to do something about it. Um, I'm here because I'm also believing in the, the nature of political action um, and taking it right through to Parliament and encouraging people to think about the Greens as an alternative way of getting voices heard, the multiplicity of voices, huge number of different voices here from knitting nanas and others. I, I just love it and I love this grassroots community feel about this protest and I'd like to see one, you know, on a regular basis. But yeah, I love it. Thank you. Climate change, it's a big deal and we've got to do something about it. And yeah, we've got to have a, like a plan on how we can stop it and stuff. What did you think of the speeches? Uh, I couldn't really hear them that well. <laughs> it was hard I, thought, to hear. I heard a little bit, they were very good. Yep. <laughs> um, I thought they were quite inspiring because we need to change the way we're living now. Do you find that the, the people, the older people around you get it? Yeah. 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 Oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Well, some, like, the politics and stuff don't yeah. really care because they like, they're just only... want money. Yeah, they're only worried about how much money they're making. And how many years do you get to vote? Uh, four years. Four, four. years. Yeah. Wow. That's not going to really... We've got to lower the age of voting, don't we? Yeah. yeah. Vote yeah. for Greens. Yeah. Vote yeah. policies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you can't I'm vote. I'm going to vote for Greens when, <laughs> yeah. I'm when you When you get it, yeah. So yeah. let other 15 and 16-year-olds... Yeah, because you, you know more about politics than most of the older people you know, don't you? Yeah. 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 Thank you very much. Well, made you more inspired to be here? Yeah, it has. Seen yeah. lots of people. So what would you say to other people who say, oh, I don't want to go to a gathering? Just just do it. Just you know? it there's something It'll, about being yeah. around people who, who yeah. actually get it and care, isn't it? Yeah. It makes a difference. Because when you're out there, most people just don't, not even thinking about it. Yeah. So your mother and daughter here today, yes, who influences who? I think oh, it was I think a good effort, yeah. Yeah? Because yeah. a lot of people say it's, sort of, it's only the parents telling the kids what to no. do and stuff. No, no, no. no. We're it's, very, it's a very combined effort. We both really believe in trying to save our... Well, save, save the planet, really. Yeah. And it's about where we realise we've got to, you know, look after the planet. We've got one planet. Yeah. There is no second mm. planet. And yeah. the time now is to, like, to unite across the whole... Like, I know it's Australia today, but I think the whole world's doing it. It's an incredible it's feat. It's extraordinary, yeah. Because... Yeah. This is the time now is to change. And can't, it's no can't time keep to lose. waiting. And, no. and it's How the, old are you? I'm 21. 21, so you can vote, because I've been talking to yes. a lot of 14-year-olds, and they've got to wait four years before they can even vote about yeah. this. It's so... Yeah, but I think it's also about where the leaders of all countries are starting to actually listen <laughs> and give reverence that we do need to make a collaborative... Change. Well, they, there was that study done where they said that if 3.5% of the population take to the streets, it, change happens. I think the other thing to keep in mind in terms of the numbers is that the, 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 when they did a study this week, they found out that 65% of people didn't even know it was on. Well, so I, this is yeah. this is like the the, the we the, knew the domain was on. I knew the domain was on. Exactly. And we're going to go to domain. Yeah, but didn't realise this. But was we on. saw the church, the Anglican church, and sign on Thursday, and I said we don't have to go to the yeah. city. We can be here. Yeah. Really so there's important. even less. Even if that 35% knew the city ones yeah. were on, there's probably only about 10% of people in Gosford exactly so. and Central and Coast who really knew. So it was a great internet. Us yeah. here as well that, to yeah. show that not just the big cities are collaborating. It's everyone. And for this reason, we want you all to head over to the letter writing booth to write a letter to our politicians and show how important it is to address this issue. In addition to this, 
I will be calling federal MP in a few seconds, and I want you all to yell out as loud as you can, Central Coast wants climate action. Can we do a practice? Yeah. Central Coast wants climate action. Central Coast wants climate reporter from Belgium yes and we like to make an article to inspire the other students as well so yep. when it gets published it's early morning they wake up they read their emails and like okay we have to go strike as well because in Australia yes. they are already out there <laughs> and later we might to try to make a podcast of it as well so we get like a, a broader audience yes so um, my first question would be like who are you and why in like in which kind of function are you participating to the event today Okay, so I, I'm, a, um, I'm, I'm a tourist operator. Um, I've lived um, in this region for um, nearly 30 years. And we send people out on boats uh, to the islands to have a holiday. And um, why do I come today? So just to give support, um, I'm concerned about the environment. We've seen big changes just in, in our lifetime. And we've got, uh, well, I've got, a grandchild. I've got a grandchild who is only three now, and, and um, he will be living through it, so will probably other grandchildren. And I think the, the world is, is just not taking this seriously, and, and it's happening much quicker than um, I could have imagined, I think all of us could imagine. Uh -huh. So you were telling about, like, you've had five cyclones passing through? In the last four years, very bad cyclones across the Barrier Reef, and in the 20 years before that, I don't remember any, any, you know, that, that nearly as many. And uh, that's all, it's all documented in the outlook report for the, for the Great Barrier Reef. Okay, so why do you come today to the Week Sundays to participate to the strike? Well, it's an issue that's really close to home, and it's affecting not only us, but the world. So it's really here for us. It's all about making awareness and, you know, showing what's actually happening. I think it's more important than going to school for one day. Yeah. Like, it's a bigger issue than us missing, like... And like, especially us living on the Great Barrier Reef, like, if anything happens to that, that affects not only like the livelihood of us, but like everyone else in the town because it's a tourism industry. And like, I guess sticking up for something you believe in is better than anything that you can learn in school. And I guess a better lesson, something you'll take with you forever. Are you actually very aware here about climate change? Do you learn about it in school or? We learn about it. We do like a class. We, our class of marine science, yeah. and um, that's where we've, we've learned, we've just done assignments and everything about this issue. And do you think then, out of those knowledge, that the government is doing enough to protect the reef and the climate here in Australia? No way, no way, no. no. Lots, lots needs to happen. What would you like to say to like other students around the world, like on a day as today? Like, would you share them something to inspire them? We like stand up, work together, like when the next generation comes. Like it's definitely yeah. happening. You can't deny it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, just yeah. stand, stand together. together. Yeah. Really... Okay, cool. That's so nice. My name is Suzette, mm -hmm. and I'm a mom. 
and I've always been very concerned about the environment and mm -hmm. the way that things are moving. Mm -hmm. I'm also a business owner and uh, still um, very concerned. This is not about jobs anymore. This is about humanity and the planet. Mm -hmm. What makes you so concerned? Like, what's the, the thing that triggered you? Well, I've been a sailor all my life and I've sailed around the world. Mm -hmm. And way back in the 1980s mm -hmm. in the Caribbean, we saw our first coral bleaching and nobody knew what was happening. Mm -hmm. And since then, it has got worse. And living now on the edge of the Great Barrier Reef, in the 31 years we've been here, we have seen a complete degrading of the water quality. Do you think like the Queensland government or the local government or even the federal one could do that enough to protect the reef? They're doing some things yeah. which are very good. For example, they are working with the farmers to prevent mm -hmm. chemical fertilizer runoff mm -hmm. and extra nutrients into the reef mm -hmm. um, waters. So that, yes, that is good. But um, coastal development is a major problem. Loss mm -hmm. of mangroves, loss of fish habitat. But then the big problem that nobody sees, because you can't see it with your eyes, is the CO2 in the atmosphere, mm -hmm. which is coming from the burning of the brown coal. Mm -hmm. And we have some of the biggest coal mines just on the other side of the mountains and the Great Barrier Reef. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the cause is very close to the symptoms of the problem. Yes, but it is mm -hmm. not seen. Mm -hmm. You don't see it because it's away from the coast. People can live their lives uh -huh. being completely unaware or not caring because uh -huh. it's not right there in front of them. Do you think people in general here or even in Australia are aware enough about the problem of global warming? In some areas they are, mm -hmm. but I can tell you that seven out of ten people here in the Whitsundays voted for coal in the last election. Whoa. Now that is frightening. We are a tourism, nature-based mm -hmm. area. We have the Great Barrier Reef and these beautiful World Heritage Islands of the Whitsundays right here. But seven out of ten people living here voted for coal. Do you mean they vote for coal because they vote for the government who give the permission to Adani? Or is that... I think that's part of it. Yeah. I think that um, there are more people living here now that have jobs in the coal industry. Okay. And that's one of the reasons as well. Mm -hmm. And I think the government is extremely irresponsible in not beginning the process to transition mm -hmm. from coal to a range of renewables and retraining opportunities and jobs for these people because for many of them their skills will still be needed yeah. just in another industry. How do you here in Ellie Beach and Whitsundays feel the climate change already? If you go down the marina, yeah. any structure that was underwater 30 years ago, mm -hmm. if you put any structure underwater, within weeks would be covered in coral. Mm -hmm. Now you go walk around the marina, you go look at any pontoon, anything that's underwater, coral doesn't grow there anymore. It's mm -hmm. covered in weeds. Mm -hmm. Now it's instead of the Great Barrier Reef, is the Great Barren Grief. Extinction Rebellion has a model which is really simple. It must remain absolutely non-violent. It has to be safe for people to come out, normal people to come out and mm -hmm. shout. It has yeah. to happen in the capital cities. To get the government's attention, it has to go on day and night and day and night. Mm -hmm. 
on the 7th of October in capital cities around the world. Yeah. People are going to come to the streets and block the city centers until the government talks to us, until uh -huh. the system cracks. Okay, cool. Expect disruption. Please come and join us. It's probably the last chance we have of solving this in a non-violent way. Okay, so 7th of October, that's what 7th of October, please take two weeks off, bring a tent. We should be able to supply food to you and the police. All and right. it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, Festival we look forward. <laughs> we look forward to that. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. I'm Zaina Harij. I am a citizen of the Central Coast. I'm here because I am lost for words. Um, everybody's fighting for the same cause on different platforms and it's time we all banded together and actually made a change and, you know, had Australia declare a climate emergency, had our politicians stand up for what our citizens are asking them to do. Do you find people around here are kind of concerned about it? I definitely find they're concerned. I think they're too busy to act in a way that will actually make a difference. We've had a great turnout at this event today and I just hope that this momentum will continue. Fantastic, thank you so much. Thank you. You guys are free tonight. There's a screening of this movie, 2040, at Arima Library. Uh, my name is Damon and I'm the writer and director of the film that you're about to watch tonight. And I think before we start, we should just congratulate um, and give a cheer for the people of Melbourne. More than 100,000 people turned out today. Uh, and the numbers are coming in are over 300,000 around the country, so it's an amazing turnout. I did it today in a dress uh, uh, to, to raise money for one girl, which is uh, educating girls right around the world. And you'll see tonight that that is one of the most important climate solutions we have, is the empowerment of girls and women right around the world. Before I begin, I will acknowledge that uh, the traditional owners of the land that we're gathered on here today, it's the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and uh, I'd like to acknowledge and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging, and extend this respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait people from other communities who are with us today. Uh, on behalf of the 2040 team tonight, we'd also like to just extend a huge thank you to the people that made this screening happen. And some of those people today were also instrumental in organising the events right around the country. So, big round of applause for AYCC, which is the Australian Youth Climate Coalition. Uh, for, for SEED, which is the Indigenous Youth Climate Network. And of course, uh, for the Schools Strike for Climate, who just did a wonderful job today. So bravo, guys. Another huge thanks to one of our major partners, who is Intrepid Travel and the Intrepid Foundation. They've been extraordinary in their support for us in the film. And also, we have government partners here tonight, which is the City of Melbourne and Resilient Melbourne. And as we know, to get any government support in this country on this issue at the moment should be celebrated. So thank you very much. My name is Damon, and this is my daughter, Velvet. Are <laughs> you kind of fun, Dad? <laughs> She's just turned four. We have to take the smoke into their leaves and die. <laughs> I also hope that we'll be able to solve world hunger, because a lot of people are going hungry. At the moment, the ice caps are melting because of all the greenhouse gases. Hey everyone, how are we going? Yeah, what an amazing film, hey? 
What an incredible day it's been. Um, I just heard um, from the team that they think that almost 200,000 people attended the strike today, which is absolutely amazing. Um, I'm going to keep the uh, introductions very short so we can crack on and get everyone talking and asking questions. My name is Lee Barnes. I'm the Chief Purpose Officer at Intrepid. Got us with us today, Damon Gamow, the Director of 2040. Hello, hello. We've got Amelia Telford, National Director, Seed Indigenous Youth Climate Network. Hello. Hi. We've got Alice Caldwell, Organiser, School Strike for Climate. Massive round of applause yeah. for the job today, hey? Crazy. And we've also got Claire Ferris-Miles, City of Melbourne Director, City, Strategy and Place. Uh, Damon, I'll crack on to you as the d director of the film and, and ask the first question, mate. You interviewed over 100 children all over the world in the making of this film to find out about their hopes and dreams for the future. Why was it important to consult the younger generation in the making of this film? Uh, I thought well, it was important that the, the future wasn't just my version of what I wanted it to be. Um, I think that as we're seeing, these kids are so articulate and passionate about this subject, so I really wanted them to drive the narrative. So that was the, the, the idea, was to interview them first, hear what they had to say, and then put together the story based on those requests. Um, so that it felt like a collective vision of what that generation wanted and wasn't just my narrow version of it. Did you have any inkling that the movement would be so youth-led post that? Well, you mean in terms of what's happening like today? Yeah, kids... like it's a pretty amazing uh, like meeting point. I mean, I think the kids just understand it much, at a much deeper level and the stakes are higher for them because they're inheriting, as we say in the film, it's, it's their home that they're, we're renting off them. They're going to inherit that. So understand, understandably, they're much more passionate about it um, and it's infuriating that they're not getting the leadership that they deserve yeah. um, and it's just it's madness. So, but I, I am buoyed by what's happening. I think uh, we've released the film now uh, for the last three months and just to see the things that are happening, not just in Australia but around the world, that we just don't give attention to in the mainstream media. But as Helena mentions in the film, when you go beyond that mainstream narrative and into the shadows, that's where all the hope is and there's real magic going on right around the world. We're just not hearing enough about it. Um, Alice? Must be pretty pumped and buzzing after today. I reckon one more round of applause is just amazing and happy these kids have done. Um, so pretty amazing that this is a youth-driven uh, movement. We spoke about it in the back that it started uh, outside of Sweden, just in Castle, Maine, in Victoria, which is absolutely amazing that a little, you know, small town in regional Victoria that's had such a big part of this. Well done. Congratulations on an amazing, amazing day. Just talk us through your feelings right now. What have you learned? Um, and just put us, everyone, in your, in your shoes at the moment. How are you feeling? What happened today? And just talk about the experience. Well, when I woke up this morning, I was kind of in shock that today was September 20th. It was the day that I'd been thinking about virtually non-stop for nearly three months. I think what is sometimes overlooked is just how much planning goes into it. And we've been working towards what today became for months upon months upon months. We were just so shocked at how many people came down. We were planning for 50,000. Whoa. And we got 200,000. <laughs> and it... <laughs> I mean, it's a very good problem to have, but it was a problem nonetheless. Uh, I was just so, I was buzzing the entire day and it was really, really gratifying seeing what we've been envisioning come into fruition and that so many people supported our vision for the future and were willing to take time out of their day 
to support us. So just so, so happy. Well done. It was an amazing effort. Amelia, or Millie, sorry to get that right. Apologies, my bad. Uh, you support a national network of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island young people building a movement for climate justice to protect country. Can you tell us about the vision behind SEED and what a better future looks like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I also just want to acknowledge the country we're on and I think, you know, when it comes to acknowledging Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people um, and the land we're on, it's always about acknowledging the, you know, the impacts that are ongoing of colonisation as well as the strength and resilience of our, resiliency of our people and, you know, that... I guess speaks a lot to what SEED does in terms of empowering Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander young people across the country to be taking action on climate change, um, to protect our land and water and, you know, work together with non-Indigenous people to build the movement and create the change that we need. Um, and in terms of, I guess, the vision behind what we do, I think there's a... When I first started getting involved in, in you know, youth activism, I was your age in um, high school back home in Lismore in northern New South Wales. Um, and I had a big realisation that the, the, like, incredible youth climate movement that I was a part of, um, it didn't look like me. People didn't talk about the issues in the way that, you know, I was seeing them in terms of the impacts on Indigenous people um, from the, you know, destruction of country to dig up coal and gas and oil um, to the impacts... Um, you know, facing vulnerable communities, whether that's rising sea levels in the Torres Strait or droughts and floods, um, you know, impacting the world's most vulnerable communities. Um, I, I really believed that um, you know, the, the communities most at stake need to be empowered to stand up and build solutions and drive the change that we need. And so, you know, the same as with, you know, young people um, and students standing up, but also the communities that are being impacted right now. Um, and so that's what SEED's all about, is bringing together Indigenous people um, to take action on climate change, um, backed up by, you know, people like yourselves all around the country. How did you feel today? Yeah, today was crazy. I mean, I think it shows us that we're, you know, as a movement, we're gaining more and more momentum every day. Um, and it's, you know, like always incredibly proud and empowered, also exhausted, like just <laughs> putting that out there. I think, you know, a lot of us who do fight the fight every day, um, it, you know, we need to look after ourselves and we need to be sustainable in our activism as we're building, um, yeah, building a sustainable future. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, there's always ways that we can be acknowledging um, the impact that these issues have on, on Indigenous people more and more. And I think that's something that I hope to see more and more of into the future as well. Claire, the, the, the city of uh, Melbourne recently declared a climate and biodiversity emergency. What does this declaration mean? And what are some of the things we'll see being put into action in Melbourne? When I came out here, Damon said I'm the speaker that's speaking on behalf of all the governments. So I'll, I'll see if I can do my best. But I'll, uh, I'll speak on behalf of the City of Melbourne. Is that, I mean, I think the Lord Mayor sort of explained that the City of Melbourne is doing a lot of things. But what um, the declaration of the climate emergency means for us is our council has actually asked us to do an audit of all of our sustainability and climate actions to see if we're doing the right things. Because I think... You know, we're planting 3,000 trees a year as part of cooling our city. We're 100% powered by renewable energy. But I think it's beholden on all governments, even when you're stepping up, is, is to have that mindset of continuous improvement of are we doing the right things at the right time right now? And just quickly, while I've got the microphone in terms of um, talking about what today means, on behalf of like local, the local government sector is... What today means for us is, you know, really about everyone asking more of government, asking more, asking us to do more. 
And I just encourage all of you to, wherever your council is, to write letters, to go up to your council meetings, to really ask what are you doing and are you doing the right things and, sh and could you do more in this space? So I think that's what's really exciting and we're not afraid to be questioned at the City of Melbourne and I think they're really good questions that we need to find some answers to. Yeah. I think that's an amazing message because the, the, the students are doing more and I think it's a big opportunity for the rest of us to be doing more. So great sentiment there. Sorry, can I do one last oh, shout yeah, one out? Last, you got one more, sorry. Um, so for um, anyone, everyone um, is invited to, in two weeks' time, um, seed together with Get Up, Lock the Gate, a bunch of other organisations are hosting an event called Power of Country. Um, it's about the campaign to stop Origin Energy from fracking in the Northern T um, Territory and we have incredible Aboriginal um, people coming down from the Territory to talk about um, the threat to fracking to their land and water. And so um, we've got a whole heap of flyers. Please come and see me. Take some to put in your workplace to tell your family and friends. But um, yeah, would love to see all of you there um, Thursday. No, um, it's at Collingwood Town Hall, 6 p.m. on Thursday, the uh, 3rd of October. So not next week, the week after. So see you all there. Thanks so much. Yeah. The timing for today uh, occurred because uh, starting on Monday is the next UN Climate Summit in New York and on behalf of the 2040 team I'm very proud to announce that uh, I'll actually be going there tomorrow because we're going to be showing clips of the film to all the world leaders on Monday, um, which is just great. So. And we all know with hindsight what happened on Monday. I'm unfortunately not able to wrap this up as that story is still being written. But the 20th of September was momentous. It was historical. We will look back on that day, and we will solve the climate crisis. I think the best way to end this episode is to go out on the most powerful moment to emerge from the September 23rd UN Special Council meeting on the climate crisis. And that, of course, is the brief 495-word speech made by Greta Thunberg. I'll leave you with her words. And I'm going to leave you with these words not to depress you or make you feel small, or even to take away this moment we have of feeling good about ourselves for what we've done. But it's precisely because of the response to Greta's speech that we should feel so good. Because it has got the right people angry because we're having an effect. We're doing the right things in the right way. We just have to keep going. So if you can, follow in Greta's footsteps. Fridays for future. Strike every week. Be visible. Have conversations. Be a visible sign of the uncomfortable truth. It's what Greta's doing. And I think it's safe to say that what Greta's doing is working. So thank you all for joining us one week on from the climate strikes as we look back and celebrate our victories and learn from each other and draw together as a community. Because together we're strong and even in Australia we now know that there are over 300,000 of us. We are in a climate crisis but we can fix this together. Let's go. Greta, your first climate strike. 
was a lonely event a little over a year ago. And in the intervening time, you have sparked the interest of millions, literally, of children around the globe, demanding action for climate change. What's your message to world leaders today? Uh, my message is that we'll be watching you. <laughs> This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? For more than 30 years, the science has been crystal clear. How dare you continue to look away and come here saying that you're doing enough when the politics and solutions needed are still nowhere in sight. You say you hear us and that you understand the urgency. But no matter how sad and angry I am, I do not want to believe that. Because if you really understood the situation and still kept on failing to act, then you would be evil, and that I refuse to believe. The popular idea of cutting our emissions in half in 10 years only gives us a 50% chance of staying below 1.5 degrees and the risk of setting off irreversible chain reactions beyond human control. 50% may be acceptable to you, but those numbers do not include tipping points, most feedback loops, additional warming hidden by toxic air pollution or the aspects of equity and climate justice. They also rely on my generation sucking hundreds of billions of tons of your CO2 out of the air with technologies that barely exist. So a 50% risk is simply not acceptable to us we who have to live with the consequences. To have a 67% chance of staying below a 1.5 degrees of global temperature rise, the best odds given by the IPCC, the world had 420 gigatons of CO2 left to emit back on January 1st, 2018. Today that figure is already down to less than 350 gigatons. How dare you pretend that this can be sold with just business as usual and some technical solutions? With today's emissions levels, that remaining CO2 budget will be entirely gone within less than eight and a half years. There will not be any solutions or plans presented in line with these figures here today 
because these numbers are too uncomfortable and you are still not mature enough to tell it like it is. You are failing us, but the young people are starting to understand your betrayal. The eyes of all future generations are upon you. And if you choose to fail us, I say we will never forgive you. We will not let you get away with this. Right here, right now, is where we draw the line. The world is waking up. And change is coming, whether you like it or not. Thank you. Collective. Collective.